the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Let's get into the second hour. Dave Ellswick show for a Wednesday, hump day, middle of the weekday, over the hill day. We're closer to Friday than we were on Monday. And every Wednesday, for the most part, every once in a while, he decides to do something else. But it's always more important than talking to me. Uh, Congressman French Hill joins us here on the Dave Ellswick show. He is the congressman from District 2, uh, the district that... Our radio signal basically broadcasts, too, and we want to welcome him to the show today. And, Congressman, how are you? Dave, I am great. It's a sunny day in Little Rock, and it's great to be on the show with you. Well, you know, I, I go over to uh, Baptist Hospital just about every day, Monday through Friday, because i got to go through the uh, what they have over there, that hyperbaric chamber because of my foot, mm-hmm. and they're getting it. I'm getting healed up now. I'm, I'm much better than I was uh, six months ago. But the bottom line is, uh, you know, you, you, you do all of that, and you get to the point where you really realize how important each day is that, you get to open your eyes up and look out and see the sun and look down on the grass. And even if it is raining, it's just for that small time right there. So I'm a, I'm a happy camper, to be honest with you. Good. Um, I'm, I'm glad that treatment's working well, too. That's awesome. It's pretty cool. It's kind of uh, like living a science fiction uh, experiment mm-hmm. or something, you know. It's kind of cool. Well, we're doing that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right now we are. There's no doubt about it. So I got a question for you, Congressman. Sure. We're we're sitting. We're sitting. Uh, I spent the first twenty minutes of my show today lambasting the media because I really am pissed off at them today. Uh, that was my degree uh, in in college, and uh, objective journalism is really something that I believe in. And I'm watching this FEMA report that somehow somebody let get out and uh, the media grabbed hold of it and it says that but the me- if the if uh, America's economy starts opening up all these people are going to die and it's gloom and doom and people don't realize there's thousands of these reports that are being done and all of them say different things they're, they're suppositions that people have. They're, they're not true, factual things. And, uh, and it really bothers me that the people, the, 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 the journalists, and I guess it shouldn't surprise me with, you know, with tedious uh, going on amongst uh, them as much as it is, that, uh, they, that, that they're not doing their jobs, which is to dig why this has been leaked because they can find that out, why it was leaked, and and, and what was who's ever uh, that leaked it, what what were they were they're trying to do? 
I mean, it, people, this is sca- yeah, look, it scared people again, is what I'm trying yeah. to say, Congressman. It scared people, and it's not necessary. Well, the media is filled with uh, overnight experts on all subjects, and they all have about as much information as if they learned it overnight. And this is another example of that. You've got and people who leak or people who want power. That's the bottom line is they just want to call attention to themselves. And, and it's frustrating. My view is, look, this is a novel coronavirus, novel meaning new. And that means that economists don't know what's going to happen and public health people don't know what's going to happen. And so to say that you do, I think we've seen over the last uh, three months now, four months, clearly they're wrong. I mean, in January, we're told, well, it's not communicable between humans. It's all isolated in China. These are by the world's top public health people. And obviously, that wasn't true. And then we were told by the state of Washington that millions of people are going to die in the United States by the 1st of May. And that didn't happen. So, look, this is new. It's It does scare people. Uh, but... The projections, you just have to take every one of them with a grain of salt. Every one of yeah. them. Yeah, I, I I, just, being in the military and, and being a journalist as I was for so many years before I went in to talk, uh, here's what I know. When I was in the military and I had my my, my super-duper top-secret uh, clearance and, and sat in on a lot of briefings, they have reports on top of reports on top of the reports of the reports, and they they look at scenarios, and then they look at every other scenario. And if I would just take one of those scenarios and released it out to the general public, it might say, you know, if China, if, if we got into a war with China tomorrow, how many uh, people might die? And they they yep. you know they they sup, they do a supposition about that. It would scare the living tar out of most Americans. Right. I agree. And, and and people are running these scenarios on the public health impact locally yes. and the economic. And all these statistics are uh, just wild guesses because people have not seen this before and they're doing their best. And I appreciate people trying to do their best. Worst case and best case, because that's helpful. But it's, uh, you know, <clears throat> to assume it's going to be bad and to uh, then therefore freeze up and take no decision is also not right. You know, we have to take the best information we have and make the best decisions that we have. And I think here in Arkansas, I think the governor's been prudent about that. Uh, and we didn't shut everything down and we haven't immediately opened everything back up. And we want to give people time to adjust to taking these CDC precautions. Uh, but they still need to get their haircut. You can get your haircut and comply with the CDC, I promise. Yes, um Mark Twain said, and my dad used to uh, used to quote him all the time about this: "Is that figures don't lie, but liars figure." And <laughs> and so I always look at a lot of these of this material that I see with a jaded eye. You know what? What's the re- everybody's got to do this? What's the reason for why? you think this stuff was leaked and then start doing some research. Of course, uh, a lot of people don't have a lot of time like I do. I live this stuff, so I try to get that information out to my my listeners as far as that's concerned. But, that, you know, that the president of the United States, the first question that he faced yesterday when he walked up to the line to talk to the journalist just before he left for Arizona was, 
why are you reopening up uh, the United States when, you know, tens of thousands of people can die? And I'm like, what the crap? You know yeah, what I, I mean? You know, this is I mean, this is just I mean, I don't know. I share your frustration and I share your and also the ability to just hype and have the most sensational approach to the news is not the news either. And no. uh, that seems to be just the daily operating style of this media. And anything that the president wants to do, of course, is absolutely wrong. And, and they can find a thousand people to disagree. And that seems to be what they call news is Trump makes an announcement and they find five people to disagree with it. And that's not journalism. So good luck with that. Yeah, I, I had to laugh yesterday, though, when he said that Fauci and, and, and some of the other people were going to go testify to the Senate. And somebody said, well, what about the House? He said, oh, no, they're just a bunch of Trump haters there. I love that. <laughs> that was too good. That was just too good. That was just that was fantastic. I loved it. I mean, I understand you're a member of the House, uh, Congressman, but I think you even got a laugh out of that one. I, I do. Look, people, again, I mean, they're 435 members of the House. They beautifully represent the entire 330 million of us, which means they come in all shapes, sizes, political philosophies. And uh, when they, it's a it's a herd mentality over there and Mrs. Pelosi runs the show and she's got them all in that uh, whatever the president wants to do, we're going to do the opposite point of view, which is too bad. But that's that happens in politics and it happens particularly in the House. I got to tell you, if I were the president of the United States, I, I, or I was somebody who was high up in his administration, the last person I'd want to talk to in the house is Maxine Waters. That lady, that lady's crazy. I, I, I mean, I understand that her people keep sending her back to Washington, but oh my God, I mean that. Do you, do you ever have lunch with her? I've never had lunch with her, but I talk to her almost every week in uh, Maxine Waters, who represents uh, part of the Los Angeles metro area, is a career politician. She's been in either the California Assembly or the U.S. Congress since uh, the late 70s. Uh, This is what she knows. This is what she does. She does politics. And Maxine is an activist. She will tell you. Yes. She's an activist. And she is a... <laughs> For this president, she's a 100% opposition legislator. So if he says X, she's going to say Y. If the sky's blue, she's going to say it's raining. So that's her <laughs> modus operandi. Yeah, that's the way. She, that's the way she this. sees the world. I'll say this to to humanize Maxine Waters, who is someone who is an elected member of the U.S. House. I want to tell your listeners that. Uh, her mom was from Helena, and she grew up in St. Louis, and she lost her sister last week in St. Louis to COVID. Mm, um, I'm sorry to hear that. And so we have her family in our prayers this week. But she is a progressive warrior, and I, I don't, I can, I can have condolences for her family, but also disagree with her on policy every day. All right, we're going to take a break, Congressman, then we'll come back. I want to talk to you about the Paycheck Protection Program and your thoughts on it, and is it enough? We'll talk about it for small businesses in America. 17 after 7, America's opening up again. We're opening in Arkansas as well. Uh, A little slower than I would like, but at least we're opening. All right, keep that in mind. We're opening, and I don't know whose idea it was to open salons after uh, they opened uh, churches, but the women are not going to be happy with that. We'll take a break here on the Dave Ellswick Show.
All right, we're going to finish up our conversation uh, this half hour with uh, Congressman French Hill from District 2. Coming up after the news, after uh, uh, Rush, uh, Rush, I have his morning update for us at 7.30. And then at 7.35, State Representative Julie uh, Mayberry, Mayberry will be with us from down at the East End. We're going to talk to her about uh, all that's going on, on in the state legislature. So we'll spend some time talking to her. And don't forget, Duck and Joe and folks from Bumper to Bumper are joining us in the final hour today. Today, mostly sunny, 72 are high. Currently in Little Rock, 53. Here in uh, Cabot, 52. In Conway, 53 degrees. Congressman, thanks for sticking around. Let's talk about the uh, Paycheck Protection Program. We're in the second uh, uh, version of this seems to be uh, it's not second verse, same kind of uh, uh, same verse in the song, second verse. Uh, it, it's been done a little bit differently, probably a little bit better. Uh, with that said, we had talked about when the first one came out that uh, the Senate had written it kind of with some slap room in it uh, so that uh, everybody could get their money pretty quickly, and some people tried to take advantage of that. And, you know, we've reported on those people. We don't need to get into that. But how are you, how are you feeling about this second uh, iteration? I think the second, the second round has gone – has gone better. More small businesses have been helped. The uh, loan size here in Arkansas is about $89,000. 37,000 small businesses in Arkansas have successfully applied for a PPP loan. 37,000. $3.3 billion. <clears throat> so that's encouraging that that money is there to help uh, people. Uh, and there's so many success stories. I mean, I was thinking, I was uh, looking at one yesterday, Methodist Family Health, uh, which does behavioral health all over the state. And who knew, we've got to have behavioral health now more than yes. ever for kids. And they do a lot with children. And but uh, U.S. Bank made their PPP loan, and that allowed them to uh, maintain employment for 400 employees statewide at this key time as I say, for behavioral health. So there are lots of success stories about how PPP is helping businesses keep their act together. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's good news. That's exactly what it's supposed to be used for. 100%. You know, um, Marty Sellers, who's a banker up in Ash Flat, uh, this is this typical America. You put your flag out and you step out there and hate your help your neighbors. Right. Uh, he made nine nine million loans at his little bank in Ash Flat to eighty customers, and he felt like he got kept a thousand people employed up in North Central Arkansas. So, I don't. I'm. I, to me, it's been in this sad occasion of the hit of the coronavirus. Watching these community bankers work with their customers has been pretty inspirational to me. So I got to ask you, talking about Ash Flat, have you ever had breakfast up at Meacham's? I have not. Oh, dude. I'll put Go it on eat. my list, my travel yeah, list. Get up there and have breakfast at Meacham's. It's a wonderful place to eat. I've been known to drive from my house here in Cabot <laughs> up to Ash Flat to be there when the door is open at 9 o'clock to get breakfast at Meacham's. It's just, it's a wonderful place to eat at. It really, really is. Talk about Hometown Heroes. A lot of people don't know about this initiative. Uh, uh, I just got a <clears throat> notification of this just the other day. Talk about that. Well, I also, uh, it's easy to celebrate these successes with our businesses, but there are a lot of people individually and a lot of towns that are going out of their way to make people feel 
welcome and to help in this time of crisis. And so I'm recognizing those with something I call hometown heroes. And uh, the first one was the Benton Prayer Wall. And I'm headed over to take a look at it today. The National Day of Prayer is going to be May 7th. And I really commend Benton Mayor Tom Farmer for constructing a prayer wall uh, for the city where people can go and post their prayers and prayer requests. What a great community way to bring people together during this tough time. And no doubt. It's pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah, that's very, very cool. I hadn't heard about that. I had to get the mayor on and talk to him about that. He may not want to come on. He'd probably probably afraid he'll end up getting sued by somebody if I make too much of a of a thing about it. But, yeah, that's great. May 7th is going to be the National Day of Prayer this year. Are we going to have a big yes, deal sir. in Washington, D.C. about it again? I hope they do. Uh, you know, I don't know what it's going to look like in the coronavirus environment, so I look forward to hearing the details. But I hope everybody will take uh, time and set aside time that day for pray for our country, pray for our leaders, pray for each other as we get our get through the virus and try to get our businesses started back. So important to not forget that uh, God still blesses this great country, yes. and we all should be looking to Him for solutions to all these challenges. Absolutely. Absolutely. We should be praying for our leaders every day. We, you know, I, I I pray for you every day that you have divine inspiration because I, I wouldn't want to be a politician right now in Washington nor in here in uh, uh, downtown in, in Little Rock. I've I've had Ballinger on. I've had, you know, uh, Robin Lundstrom on. I've had Mark Johnson on. I've had a lot of different people on talking about reopening the state and and uh, reduced revenues and all the different things that we've talked about. And uh, you all got to be, you know, have to have the wisdom of Solomon. You know what I'm saying? Well, we just reflect the fact that we have a lot of our families and our businesses that are hurting because of the coronavirus, and we're sensitive to that. We want to be as responsive as we can to make good decisions to help the public health and help get this economy back to full uh, activity, and we're doing it, and we do that from the job of a mayor all the way up to the president of the United States, and proud to do it, proud to serve. All right, before I let you go, uh, you had a story about a central Arkansas veteran, and if there's a veteran involved, I want to hear about it. Go. Well, let me tell you, uh, we always have concern about uh, widows or widowers getting their benefits from uh, their spouse that passes away, and we had an incredible story recently where a widow of a disabled vet had trouble accessing the benefits after her husband's death And she got a bill from the DOD. She didn't know what the purpose of it was. But our team, led by David Carnahan, did a fantastic job. They got the Department of Defense to drop the bill and get her $22,000 in back pay and benefits that she was owed. And that's what our team is here for at hill.house.gov. And, again, during these tough times when, when offices are closed and the VA offices are closed, uh, we're here to try to help unravel challenges that vets may have over at the Veterans Administration. All right, so should the average uh, listener here in District 2 just call their, their local office for you, for you, or should they call yeah, up I the think, D.C.? Yeah, just, uh, no, call locally here at uh, 324-5941 here in Little Rock, 324-5941 in Little Rock, or just log in and send us an uh, email at hill.house.gov. All right. We appreciate you, Congressman. We'll appreciate talk to you, you next week. You have a good day. All the best. See All right. You. Bye-bye now. All right. Yeah, and I do. I uh, I, uh, I say prayers every day uh, for our leaders. 
for the president. I even, I believe it or not, I even, I even pray for Pelosi. Yeah, you know, I might not be able to get to her. Doesn't mean that God won't be able to get to her. I'm just saying. Just saying. Okay, Russia's coming up here in just a second, and we'll hear what he has to say uh, coming up after our break here at the bottom of the hour at around 35. Uh, Julie Newberry, uh, Mayberry will be with us. Uh, she is state representative. We're going to talk to Julie uh, and uh, see what she's thinking. Want to know what's, uh, you know, the House sent their letter to the governor as well, uh, saying that they wish that he would uh, move a little quicker on getting uh, uh, things open. We'll see what she has to say about that. Uh, we'll see what she has to say about uh, looks like revenues are going to be down maybe 25, 28% uh, for the rest of uh, the full rest of this year. Uh, when they get back together again for the general session, uh, how does she feel about I'm, I'm sure somebody's going to say, we need to raise taxes uh, so that we can get that money back. No, uh, govern without that money, and then let's not go back and try to recover that money. Let's just move forward. All right, time for Rush. Let's get him on here on the Dave Ellswick Show. El Rush, with you.